ECU, do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Brand new edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is a football Friday, but also a basketball Friday as we just left the Smith-Williams Practice uh, Center over at ECU and talked to Mike Schwartz to preview tomorrow's home basketball game against the Campbell Fighting Camels. Philip Pilkington is producing. He just... Got everything done just in time for the show, and we also got our usual game picks to come with Joe Sampson. He will not join us in studio today. We'll get him over the phone in a little bit. But Philip, we're putting in the work on this Friday. We've got you know it's crossover season. We got basketball, football to preview, and uh, appreciate your hard work on this morning to uh, to get all this done. I appreciate it. Crossover season's always uh, tough, but it's always a lot of fun, and uh, it's uh, gonna be. A l- very exciting day tomorrow, so I'm glad that we can uh, bring our listeners all the previews that we can give in an hour. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot, which is good. It gives us stuff to talk about, and unfortunately, the football season is not going the way ECU fans want, so they're excited for basketball. By the way, shout out to the women's basketball team. The banner reveal last night did not go how I think anybody wanted it to. The banner uh, that they were going to unveil, the AAC championship banner. I was not there. Uh, we were doing the SUP show uh, at SUP Dogs, but my intern, Kaysen, was there. Obviously, you guys hear him here, and we also had, I think, Scooter Rogers was there. I was part of the IBX Media team. And from my understanding, Philip, the banner that they were unveiling pregame got stuck because the string to pull it down snapped off. So that was kind of a buzzkill, but the good news is 105-35 to 35 was the final score in favor of the Pirates as they just crushed USC Upstate. So congrats to the women. But that was... Uh, Quite an experience last night for those who were there. I guess you don't want to unveil a banner and it not come down, but the good news is it's down now. Yeah, I guess the other good news is, too, is it wasn't like you were on national television, so you didn't make not-top plays or Friday funnies, or at least hopefully that didn't happen. But, yeah, it's a little embarrassing. I guess uh, next time they need to use an actual rope and not just a string. Hopefully this is practice for the men's team. They're unveiling a banner next year and, and a second AAC Women's Championship banner. How about that? We'll go with a positive. So, uh you live and you learn. So, all right, tomorrow, again, we'll talk some ECU football with FAU. We're going to talk about that here shortly. But we'll start talking hoops today. Again, we are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. If you want to get a question, comment, anything off your chest, uh, feel free to drop it there. We'll get to it throughout the next hour. But we are going to start talking hoops. East Carolina, again, takes on the Camel Fighting Camels. This is a rematch of last year's game when East Carolina won 79-69 to on December 2nd, 2022. So there is some familiarity here with these two teams, same coaches uh, for the most part, some similar personnel. And uh, we did talk to Mike Schwartz to preview this game and talk about the opener too and that you know, he was not happy with the defense from the 91-61 win over Farham College, a Division Three opponent, earlier this week. So let's go ahead and get to that audio. We'll play it in its entirety. Again, this was... About 10, 15 minutes ago, uh, the Pirates had just wrapped up practice. We caught up with head coach Michael Schwartz to preview Saturday's 2 p.m. tip-off against Campbell. Here's how it sounded. Really good Campbell team coming in here. Got a great amount of respect for Coach McKeegan and their program. And, I mean, 
Uh, it's going to be a real challenge for us uh, tomorrow afternoon, and uh, I know our guys are excited to play game two, uh, but uh, we know what kind of team and program Campbell is and great respect for them. What are some of the things you see on film with Campbell? Yeah, inc- incredible uh, offensive system, uh, very disciplined on defense. Uh, their players, uh, Del Orso, I mean, is obviously one of the I mean, he's one of the best players in, in their conference in terms of an incredible freshman season. Uh, Mark Stekas is, uh, was their leading scorer last game, very good. They run their offense through their, their fives. They're very skilled players, great passers. So uh, going to present some, some real challenges for us. You weren't happy with the defense on Monday night. How has the guys bounced back and practice defensively? Uh, it's been two days of straight defense. With Campbell, the familiarity of playing them last year, you guys have some players back there too. How much does that factor into this game? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure yet. You know, I think Campbell is a great – they have a great system, what they do. They really do. And, and I've, well, long before I was at – uh, ECU, I've been followed Campbell as a program. They got a rich tradition basketball-wise, and obviously their offensive system is, is very good, very solid, very difficult to defend. So, uh, yeah, there, there are some different players. There's some new players. We have some, obviously some new players, some some different players. But um, in terms of the familiarity as far as players go, I don't think this game is. That's what it's about. For Brandon's 29 and nine, is that the type of performance that you expect from him on a nightly basis? Uh, we we would take it. <laughs> we would definitely take it. Uh, I know that's not an expectation. I think the expectation is that Brandon is a, a great teammate, a leader of this team. He's somebody that we rely a lot on in a lot of different areas. And we need him to be a great rebounder, a great defender. Uh, Brandon knows we have the utmost confidence in him in terms of offense, shooting the basketball, scoring the basketball. We've alluded that he has added a lot to his game offensively, and he showed it the other night. Uh, but honestly, whether it's Ezra or Bobby or Jaden, Quentin, we have great confidence in all our guys offensively. Uh, we we got to just defend and rebound the right way. When you watched the tape defensively, was it effort related or was it just not being in the right spot? What did you see there? Uh, you know, I know I don't think it was effort related or right, it, it was, and I said it right after the game and I felt it, it was isolation defense. And it was a, and, and this will be a real challenge for us tomorrow because what I thought right after the game was we tried to do everything on the first side of the floor, first side on offense, first side on defense. We felt like hey, if we do it on the first side, so now the possession gets into the 15 seconds, 20 seconds, and we lost our discipline because of it. Uh, effort was still there, but all of a sudden you start lunging, you start doing things like that. There's no better team in the country that's going to make us play into 20 seconds, 15, 25 seconds. Uh, they, they are great at it. So it's going to really test us to see. But I don't think it was effort-based. It wasn't position-based. It was more just discipline late in the clock and isolation defense like I thought in the press conference after the game. We didn't see any Asir on a whatever day that was, first day of the season. How is he coming along? And Was that an X's and O's thing or is he just – I think it's a freshman thing. I think, uh, you know what, you know, if, if you play 15 guys, everyone says, hey, why is the rotation so big? If you play eight guys, they say, why aren't you playing the 15th guy? So I think this is just normal stuff from a game. Not everyone's going to play every game. This is part of sports. For Caleb, he was your guys' facilitator with six assists, led the team, and then also scored in double digits with 11. What do you think of his performance? Awesome. I thought Caleb was really, really good on offense as a point guard. Uh, he ran the team. He did exactly what we needed to do on offense. Uh, defensively, nobody uh, checked our box in terms of what we felt our standard is defensively. And obviously, we've worked two days on it. That doesn't mean we're there by any means. we got a long way to go. I mean, it's November.
It's early November. We're game two. We have a long, long way to go defensively, but Caleb did a really nice job on offense. He ran our team again, but he's in the same boat with everybody defensively. We have to be a lot better. You guys are clearly being careful with Bobby. How has he kind of bounced back his hamstring the, the last few days? Yeah, no, he's been great. It, you, you, you know, you said it. We're just being smart. Um, again, we talked about this before game one, just kind of like a pitch count. We got to understand minutes and we got to understand how long he's in stretches because fatigue plays into some of these things. Uh, but he was better. The day after the game, he's better two days after. He was better the first practice. and So we're building that up. We're just trying to build that up to get back to where there isn't a pitch count on him eventually. Anything else? Uh, just what you were excited about. Did it live up to the hopes? And what did you think of just the whole night in general? Yeah, it exceeded it. You know, we just love this fan base, Pirate Nation, Greenville. Uh, just the way they came out and supported in the first game. The student section was phenomenal. I mean, for the student section to be sold out on the first game, I think uh, so appreciative of our administration and what they did to pour into the game atmosphere. Obviously, the seats, the lights, uh, having, you know, uh, kind of gifts for the students when they came in, whether it's pom-poms or T-shirts or balloons or whatever it may be. I think all that stuff is what college basketball is about. Out, and we're very appreciative of this fan base, of this community, and our administration for allowing Minji's to feel like that in the first game. All right, there's Michael Schwartz earlier today, just less than 30 minutes ago, previewing East Carolina and Campbell. And again, 2 o'clock is the tip-off time. This game was originally scheduled for 4. It was moved up to 2. The football game in Boca Raton will start at 4, so the Pirates moving that game up so Pirate fans can Watch both. So ECU Campbell. Campbell coming off a win over Navy, 59-48, so a lower-scoring game, and they run their system. They use a lot of the shot clock. Second straight year, the Pirates will face the Camels last year, and I asked Coach Schwartz about kind of the personnel. He downplayed it to a degree, but R.J. Felton scored 25. B.J. Brandon Johnson had 16-10 and 10 last year. Jaden Walker scored 13, so – uh, and Ezra Asar had 10 and 5. So you got some familiarity there. These guys know how to score uh, to a degree against this team. Campbell has a few players who played in last year's game as well. So I, I don't know about you, Philip, but when I talk to Mike Schwartz this year, I do get a different demeanor. And it feels like to me, he, he's, he knows he's got a chance to have a really good team. And I just think he's he's going to push this group, especially early this season, to improve as much as possible. Like, I, I don't I don't sense any I, I sense a lot of hunger from him is what I'm trying to say when we do these press conferences and the need to get better quickly. And I think he kind of realizes every day is important right now. Do you, do you kind of sense that as well? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It seems like last year it was all about culture and it was about the foundation of the house, just building one. Now it seems like he feels like that he and his staff have laid that foundation, and now it's time to build. And I think he wants to build quickly. I think he understands you know, how quickly something can be built. He doesn't expect it to happen overnight. But to your point with that hunger, it's still that strive is there to build that perfect house and, and to start it as soon as possible now that that foundation has been laid. And he talked about the defense, and he said it was not – necessarily effort-based it was more alignment discipline that sort of sort of things and uh it'll be interesting to see how they respond tomorrow it's clear they were challenged uh somebody asked you know what have you guys worked on the last two days in practice he basically said nothing but defense so we will see how they answer that challenge tomorrow at two o'clock i think this will be a you know i don't want to say it's going to be like a major test philip but i do think this will be a much better feel 
for maybe how improved this basketball team is year over year. I mean, we did see them beat Campbell last year. I do remember that game. ECU played very well offensively, could have done some things better defensively. But this will be interesting to see with some of the personnel back on ECU side just how far this team has kind of grown from last year. Oh, 100% will. I mean, you know, not saying that last game wasn't important, but it's not Division One competition. And there's still a div- difference in a Division One athlete and not a Division One athlete. This is a team whose tallest player was six foot seven. We've talked about the reason we think we didn't see some of the bigger guys is because they were almost too big for the lack of height that Farum had. So I think this is much more of a traditional game, yet they might not be quite at the level of teams you will be seeing in your conference, but hey, they actually might be at the level of some of the bottom of the conference. But anyways, these are the type of games you have to win, see, you know, where do we stack up against you know, our competition. Because the bottom line is, if you don't take care of business against Campbell, you can kiss your shot at a conference title goodbye. So, the, I mean, I'm not saying this is the be all, say all game, but these are the kind of teams you got to beat. And uh, I think it will be a perfect measuring stick. You asked about Sierra Malonga. It sounds like, look, he's just young. He's a freshman right now. And I looked at Campbell's roster. They do have a couple of bigs. Really, only one of those guys played in the opener against Navy. So we'll have to see kind of how many of their bigs play and what ECU tries to do. And Schwartz said, look, everybody's not going to play every game. And it's kind of a, a freshman thing with Sear. We didn't see Sikori Faison as well, the, uh, the you know, the, the freshman from Goldsboro. So we didn't see Ezra Osar early last year much at all. He did play a little bit. But I just think it's going to take some time maybe. We know the starting five, the six, really, the, the top six or seven guys are going to play. I think the other roles are going to take some time to figure out. Yeah, it definitely is. And kind of going to your Campbell point, you know, you said only one of their big guys played. But I haven't looked at Navy's roster, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were kind of in the same spot we were in the first game. You know, Navy doesn't usually have really tall players. You know, David Robinson got an special exemption to not have to serve because he was too tall to be on a submarine. So they can actually only recruit guys of a certain height. But, no, to your point, um, yeah, I think, you know, in these freshmen – come in look they've you know they've worked their butt off since june 12th but it doesn't mean they're ready to go out and play a division one college basketball game just quite yet and you know you brought up ezra and maybe he wasn't ready at the beginning of the year last year but he sure as heck was ready come the end of the year we saw that you know what he had and what we've seen out of him so far this year so i definitely think we'll see some new faces as the time goes on but it's uh hard to uh look too deep into who is and who isn't on the floor this early in the season Zach Williams on Facebook, he says, Coach Schwartz definitely seems more intense when he speaks about the team. Just sounds like he expects more. I love it. We've always just accepted being average or below average on the basketball court. I don't think Coach Schwartz will accept that again. I love it. Yeah, I agree there, Zach. Uh, Also, WJ O'Connor says, is Mike Houston, switching gears a little bit and then we'll take a break. He wants to know, is Mike Houston recruiting any more quarterbacks other than Ty Keyes and the freshman that is committed out of high school? So he's referencing... ECU has offered a JUCO quarterback, Ty Keys, who used to be at Southern Miss. That is just a scholarship offer, no commitment at this time, but ECU is recruiting him. And then they have a commitment from high school prospect Cole Hodge out of Kentucky. And I would say, yes, ECU will definitely recruit more quarterbacks. I would expect Hodge to sign and enroll. I would expect ECU to add at least two more quarterbacks, if not three this offseason and let them battle it out. I, I don't think they're going to be there's going to be any situation where ECU goes into next season not going through every avenue possible quarterback wise to find the best possible player uh, to kind of make up for what we've seen this year. They don't want to find themselves in the same situation there. We'll see what happens with Alex Flynn, Mason Garcia, Raheem Jeter this offseason, but the portal opens in December. I would surely expect 
East Carolina to recruit portal quarterbacks along with the guys they are recruiting right now. All right, Philip, let's get a break in. We got to call Joe Sampson. We got our game picks. We'll also preview ECU, FAU, get Joe's final thoughts on that, and we'll make our college and NFL picks, as always, on Hoist the Colors. This is a Friday, Football Friday edition. We'll be right back. Hey, what's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into a Football Friday edition of Hoist the Colors. We have talked a lot of basketball to begin with. Philip Pilkington is producing. We're going to get to Joe Sampson here in a second over the phone. Want to first read a comment or two on Facebook. Uh, Zach, Following up on his earlier message, says the Campbell game, talking basketball tomorrow is a big one in my opinion. There has been some preseason hype for Pirate basketball this year. People are excited. If we lose to Campbell, then the majority of our fans will lose their excitement. If we can beat Campbell and stack some wins early on, I think fans stay excited. And by conference time, Menji should be rocking. Let's show up tomorrow. Pirate Nation. Yeah, good tip-off time. Get to Menji's and uh, support this team. Chase Braswell also mentions that ECU needs to recruit an O-line in addition to recruiting a quarterback, and I couldn't agree more. That's why we need to continue to raise funds for Team Boneyard to get that done through the portal in December. All right, let's get to our picks, and to do that, we have got to welcome in Joe Sampson. He is over the phone this week, so we don't know if he's wearing his New York Jets attire, as always. We'll start off with our college picks, but Joe... How does it feel to uh, to not be in studio but still be on the show? Are, and people want to know, are you wearing the bucket hat? I am wearing the bucket hat. No sunglasses because, as Philip pointed out, when I lose, I have to reset. So I'll have to find a new gimmick for the Jets to go on another winning streak. I do still have the bucket hat, though, because uh, Sean Payton and your offseason champion Denver Broncos will always live in my head forever. That's what they do, man. They live in your head forever because uh, that's how great the Denver Broncos are. Um, by the way, Joe, nine and one in your picks last week. Philip eight and two. You only missed the Jets game; otherwise, you would have had a perfect week. I went five and five, which is respectable on the season. Philip is kicking our tail. He is 55, 40, 41 and five. He should really start doing this for some money. Uh, I am in second place, 49, 47, and 5. Joe, you're almost back to 500, 46, 50, and 5. So you're almost there, man. Hey, you know, it ain't about how you start. It's about how you finish. And clearly, Phillip's the most consistent of us. So uh, I need to throw away my analyst hat at the end of this season and just go back to being a fan. But I think it comes down to just a lot of different spreads last week that just kind of played out in different ways. I think Tulane being favored by 17 was egregious considering everything that went into that game and what ECU's defense has done previously and we'll see again this week with so many different things on the spread and how the slate plays out all right so let's do it this way guys we'll we'll go uh we'll make the first couple picks and then when we get to ECU FAU we'll break it down a little bit and then we'll make our game pick there as well um so that way we don't talk for everybody ECU FAU so we'll, we'll start with Penn State and Michigan Michigan is a four-point favorite at home, and this is a 12-noon kickoff. All the talk about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, I'll be honest, I haven't even followed it that closely because I really am just tired of hearing about this this whole scandal. Uh, but either way, I, I'll be honest, I expect Michigan to show up this week to play with the chip on their shoulder because they seem to be trying to find everything they can as an advantage. So I'm going Michigan at home. I think they route Penn State. 
Uh, we'll go to Joe next. I agree the same way. This is the Michigan team that was treating the Harbaugh suspension like he had passed, and we're looking for any possible excuse to play up to it and try and find some internal motivation, even though they're the number three team in the country, and they're 9-0. and So I like them as well. I do think that the four spread makes it so that it will be one of those close games, but even if Penn State can find a way to pull it out, it wouldn't be by more than four. So I do like Michigan covering, so give me the Wolverines. Let's go to our expert pick picker here, uh, Philip. Death, taxes, and Penn State not playing well against Ohio State or Michigan. Give me the Wolverines. Yeah, James Franklin in big games is not it, and I don't no. expect that to change this weekend. All right, Florida State is a 14-point favorite at Miami. Miami has been a relative disaster this year compared to expectations and still can't really seem to recover from losing that one game where they just should have nailed it, and they have gone in the tank ever since. But I just got a feeling, guys, that Miami is not only going to cover this game but maybe find a way to win so i'm going the hurricanes at home i don't know why it's just a gut feeling i think they cover the 14 for sure uh as far as getting that many points at home uh joe what do you think there aren't many times that i would pick a team to lose in dope campbell and this isn't one of them so give me the seminoles i think jordan travis is off to an unbelievable season. I think he's playing to everything that people thought he would be expectation-wise, and they are in the driver's seat for the college football playoffs. So I don't think Norvell lets them lose sight of that. All right, so this game is in as in Florida State. I must have written it down wrong. I said Miami. Let me double-check. It is in Tallahassee. Here. It is in Tallahassee. Yeah, it's in Tallahassee. You're correct. I'm still going Miami. Still got a feeling. Um, well, apparently I got all these games wrong. I said at Michigan. That's in Penn State. I don't know what I'm doing, guys. I guess I was thrown off by the Schwartz press conference. Either way, <laughs> I'm sticking with my picks, home or away. I guess I'll double-check things going forward. Uh, Philip, what do you got? Yeah, Van Dyke's just been turning the ball over too much. Miami just shoots themselves in the foot too often. It's a rivalry game, so I don't think FSU blows them out of the water from the opening jump, but I do think they cover the 14 points. Play one of those where they're up a touchdown at half, win it by 17, win it by 20. Miami just, like you said, I go, has not really bounced back since that Georgia Tech loss. They've looked bad, looked bad against NC State. I think that was, what, last week maybe. And, uh, yeah, they only put up six points last week against NC State. The offense is abysmal. Uh, I like this. I like the Knowles. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not confident, but I just got a feeling on the U. And again, this game is in Tallahassee, and the Michigan game is in Penn State, but I'm still rolling Michigan as well, and we all are. All right, Washington is indeed hosting Utah. I double-checked this. Uh, Washington <laughs> is a nine-point favorite in Seattle at Husky Stadium. Utah is just one of those teams that likes to play close games and keep it close, and I've been – you know, with Utah or with Washington, excuse me, look, it's going to happen at some point. They're going to lose a game. I don't know if it'll happen this week, but I think Utah gives them a scare and they cover the nine on the road. So I'm going Utah on the road. Joe? Uh, come on, I go. You're picking against the Huskies at home. Michael Penix is the Heisman front runner. I think he follows it up. We've seen what Utah can do in the past. But this is not a Utah team being led by Cam Rising. This is a very different Utah team that tries to run the ball, can't do those explosive pass plays that they have done in the past, which would hurt Washington. So I really do like Pinnock against Utah's defense. Give me Washington. 
Phil. Yeah, just kind of building off Joe's point there, this offense has not been the same without Cam rising. In order to beat Washington, you've got to score points. I think Utah is a tough, gritty football team. If they were at home, I could maybe see this, but we've seen all the games this year in Washington when a big team comes in, it turns into a shootout. Utah's just not set up to win shootout games. Unfortunately, it really stinks that Rising's out for the year. I thought they were going to be a team set up to win shootout games when the season started. Unfortunately, it hasn't been that way. I like the Huskies. All right, we've made it to East Carolina FAU, the game of the week. One and eight, East Carolina taking on four and five, Florida Atlantic. Guys, we've had some serious line movement here before we make the pick. Uh, let's kind of go around the horn, talk about vibes of this game. And for East Carolina, it's just, I, I kind of like the matchup here. FAU gives up a lot of passing yards and their secondary is banged up. And East Carolina has been throwing the ball better since Alex Flynn's full-time insertion. And the defense is playing pretty good. It sounds like FAU starting running back Larry McCammon. If he's not going to play, he's definitely not going to be 100%. We've seen ECU against a offense with kind of a dominant number one receiver and McCaffrey against Rice do a pretty good job there, slowing him down. They'll try to do the same with uh, you know FAU's number one target, who's already got 87 catches and 1,000 yards through nine games. So I do like this matchup, but I also worry about maybe it turning into a similar game to UTSA where ECU just can't keep up on the scoreboard, eventually loses about multiple scores. I don't know. Joe, how are you feeling on this game 24 hours out or so from uh, the Pirates and Boca? I think the Pirates are going to do a lot of good things tomorrow and I think that their offense will answer the call we saw that they can kind of match production of of these teams coming out of the last three weeks but the problem is going to be if ECU's defense can find themselves and pick themselves back up after they get beat by the number one receiver over the top one time we saw it in UTSA when the explosive plays hit like that they aren't necessarily able to capitalize on those tiny mistakes, and then it turns into a snowball effect, and they jump on the double move, or they jump on the pump fake, or he's wide open. And I think that's what's going to happen tomorrow. So I think the Pirates play a lot closer than the seven. I do like ECU for the spread, but I think the Fou- or the FAU Owls will win outright. Almost said Joe, I want to ask, you know, motivation at this point for ECU one and eight. You know, you're basically playing for pride or for your teammates. I did mention that FAU has uh, referred to ECU as Eastern Carolina on their official website. If you're a player, does that motivate you at all? Is it, is it a complete non-factor? Uh, at this point in the year, because of everything that's gone on, you do kind of read a little bit more into some stuff like that on the outside. You try real hard to leave the rat poison, as Houston will refer to it, out of the locker room and out of your mindset. But like, you need something to kind of get you going. You're, you're playing for pride, yes, but you also want to find something that can internally motivate you to, to put out your best effort, to get the guys rolling, to have a, a good kind of end of the season to roll into the offseason. So I think that's a factor. But I also think that that puts a lot of pressure on you because now you're so worried about what everybody else thinks that you're not concerned about what you're going to do gameplay-wise. And I think that's why Houston will be very picky about showing them certain things. Is this the week we see a trick play, Joe? I hope so. I mean, Kodak Black's in the stands. Every single Florida-born player has been blowing up my phone all week talking about Kodak Black. So I, you got to hope they're trying to put something to try and catch FAU off guard. This is a team that, yes, they may be 4-5, and five, but you're pretty evenly matched with as far as roster construction and talent. Tom Herman has been known to kind of lose some of these games where he should win it or he should be in the driver's seat to kind of hold on to things and it's falling apart. So this would be the time to take the shot, so I hope so. 
All right, we got a question on Facebook from Chase Braswell, who uh, has predicted ECU will, will lose the game. He said 28-10 at first. Now he's going 42-10. So I guess the more we talk, the less optimistic he's getting. He, he wants to know, all jokes aside, are the defensive players turning against the offensive players? I would say no, Chase. I mean, we they're always going to put a good front on for the media. Like They're not going to get there at the podium and say, we hate the offense. Why can't these guys score? But I, just from talking with people around the program, and I can get – you know Joe's take on this as well because he still talks to many of the players. It, it's just been tough, and look, they everybody knows the offense has struggled, but these guys, I think, in the locker room really respect, love one another. It's 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 not going to turn into that. I don't think Joe, no matter how bad it gets. No, it's complimentary football, and people are going to think this is coach speak. But every single time that ECU's defense hasn't been able to answer the call this season, the offense has tried to match production to the best of its ability. We saw App State, they score 14 points in the first half, and then they score 28 total, but the defense lets up 42. We saw that the Marshall game, they're leading going into halftime, and the defense lets up those last two touchdowns. It's not just the offense. It's been an unfortunate kind of turning event and the domino effect. You point to the offense starting it. But even UTSA, the offense goes out and scores 26. And, yeah, one of them was a garbage-time touchdown. But they're matching these explosive plays. So you can't point fingers at anybody. Nobody's perfect, and you're on the team trying to figure it out. And special teams is where offense and defense comes in together. So you can't really turn on anybody because at the end of the day, you got to have your brothers back when you go out for special teams. All right, let's make our picks here. Joe, I believe, is, is going with ECU to cover, FAU to win outright. Philip, how are you feeling on this game and, and your pick? You know, I feel better now than I would three or four weeks ago because they run a lot of one high with man underneath it, and uh, we were really struggling to get separation early in the season. I think our receivers have blossomed, and I think that will give the Pirates a chance to win this football game as long as they do what Joe says when they do let up an explosive play because it's going to happen. You know, that's college football in 2023. How does the defense respond? I think they respond. I think it's a close game, but I think the Owls are up by a score and then score late to put it away. I say Owls by 10. Uh, yeah, I'm torn on this game. I, I It's weird line movement. It opened at like eight and a half or nine and is now down to seven. So you got a lot of people on a one and eight East Carolina team, which is not the norm. FAU's defense has gone the other way. They're giving up a ton of points. They got a bunch of injuries. ECU, we know, plays well defensively. The other thing I like about this game, ECU played well in the stadium last year and won. But it's just... I just don't know if, if ECU is going to be able to score enough points on the road against a pretty explosive FAU offense to win. I think I think I'm going to go FAU by by a touchdown plus in terms of you know 10, 13 points or so that second score late, kind of like Phillip said. Um, I do have a feeling though, if ECU jumps on them like they did, you know, Tulane and UTSA, I think we may see that extend more throughout the game. And it would surprise me if ECU goes on there and plays really well and wins, but. I'm going FAU, going with the odds. All right, final college game that we'll get a break in, pick NFL. Ole Miss is at Georgia. This is a top 10 matchup. Georgia is an 11-point favorite. Georgia lets uh, last week's foe, Missouri, hang around a little bit before winning, staying unbeaten. Ole Miss, they seem to kind of win one of these games every year. Is this the week? Um, I keep going with the big Georgia spreads, and I know I didn't get it last week, but I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to go with Georgia. I think they pull away with a second touchdown late to uh, to cover the 11 at home. Uh, Joe, what do you think? There comes a time every week where I sit here and I doubt the dogs. 
and it continues again this week with my Anson Belton buckle lock of the week. I like Ole Miss outright upsetting Georgia in UGA. I think that Jackson Dart gets off to a fantastic start and a hot start. I think Judkins can run all over what this Georgia defensive seven is claimed to be in the front end. And we saw what Missouri was able to do with a lackluster run game. And I think Harris catches at least two fifties worth of passes on top of those corners at UGA. I like Ole Miss. I like Lane Kiffin. Phil. You know, this game spells trap game for Georgia, and I think the Bulldog players know that. They were not they were in a dog fight last week. They had no business being in, and I think they bounce back. Give me the dogs. All right, your picks are in. A lot of differing in picks this week, especially from uh, me compared to you guys. So we'll see. It. That, that, I think I was the same way last week, and it didn't work out too well. So I may be making the same mistake twice. We'll see how it goes on Saturday. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We will talk about our picks last night for Panthers Bears and it ended up being a wash and we'll also make our five NFL picks for this weekend this is Hoist of Colors everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics this is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 the game alright welcome back into Hoist the Colors on this Friday somehow we had a Cliff Goblin graphic pop up during the break which is a good segue because we got Cliff Goblin joining us next Tuesday on the show. Programming note, he'll be in studio uh, Tuesday morning. We will live stream, and then that will air at uh, 12 noon on radio. So we'll talk fall ball and more with Cliff Goblin then. All right, we're making our picks. Joey Football is on the phone. Philip Pilkington is producing. And uh, first off, sorry about your Panthers last night, Philip. They had a winnable game and couldn't get it done. Offense continues to struggle. Yeah, the receivers cannot get separation. The line is horrible. Icky Aquanu, heck with you, state fans. I hate you all, and you gave us Icky Aquanu, and all the more reason to hate state. This offense is abysmal. They've sucked ever since David Tepper took over. Sell the team. He's the next Dan Snyder. Is David Tepper – I mean, at this point, is, does any Panther fan like David Tepper? No. I've heard the business people in Charlotte don't like. I mean, he's like half-built practice facilities and then just pulled out in the middle of them. Like, there's land down in South Carolina that he half-developed and then just decided to quit. Like, he's such a loser. I can't stand the guy. He bought the team in my last year covering the Panthers, and I was like, this is either going to go really well or really poorly. And thus far, it's gone really poorly because he's got a ton of money pretty divisive personality and unfortunately it just has not worked out to this point so I feel for Panther fans man it's you know I don't think Bryce Young has a lot of help but also you know still too early to say one way or the other but you know it's it's just inconsistent right now so I don't know we could go on a Panthers tangent but I want to keep Joey football on the phone forever so let's get to our NFL picks you know, not a great slate this weekend, guys. And we did, by the way, we picked Bears, Panthers uh, off the air yesterday. Me and Joe had the Bears. Philip had the Panthers, but it was a three-point spread, so it ended up being a push. So we're just going to forget that game. Uh, Saints, Vikings. Joe requested this I song. I hear some music. Yeah. What is this? Yes, Philip. This is a great segue, I go. The astronaut, Josh Dobbs. And the Minnesota Vikings, fresh off of what was an 0-3 start, sitting in what could be the driver's seat for the division, playing the Saints. This is Josh Dobbs' territory, the game nobody's expecting the Vikings to play. 
which is why I'm taking the Vikings. I didn't expect. Uh... I didn't expect to hear that over my speakers. Like, get ready to pick Saints Vikings. What is the so? What's the meaning behind this? Is this Creed? So it's Creed. This is what Kirk Cousins was playing. The Rangers took it also. The Kirk Cousins played it when they started 0-3 in the locker room to keep the guys' heads in it. There you go. So Josh Dobbs this last week photoshopped himself onto that guy from the infamous Thanksgiving Creed halftime show on the uh, white sheet, so to speak, put his face on it, and then put the highlights of him beating the Falcons. Well, I hate to break it to y'all, but Josh Dobbs' run as a winning Minnesota Vikings player comes to an end this week. The Saints will win, and then the Denver Broncos will beat the breaks off the Vikings next week as well. Uh, I'm going to go with my Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. Double whammy here. Saints outright, Broncos outright. I'm going two weeks and one. Dobbs is benched by the end of the Broncos game. Uh, back to Jaron Hall, BYU quarterback. Uh, Phillip's a big fan of those guys. Uh, that's my call. Going now, <laughs> Phillip. Oh, my God. Josh Dobbs has been actually one of the more consistent quarterbacks this year. The Vi- the uh, Cardinals roster was just abysmal. He's on a serviceable team now at home. Give me the Vikings. All right, y'all can roll with the Vikings, but uh, Creed had a uh, slow death in another back now, but, you know, they died for a reason. Josh Dobbs coming to an end as well. All right, 49ers are a three-point favorite at Jacksonville. This is a great football game. The Niners, have they won? When's the last time the Niners won? Did they have a bye last week? Yeah, yeah they, they had a bye, so they haven't won in a month and a half or some crap like that. And I think that continues, guys. I like Jacksonville. I think the Niners will be healthy coming off the bye, but I, I like this Jacksonville team, and I think they're off a bye as well, and they may get Zay Jones back. So give me Jacksonville. Phillip. For the first time since October the 8th, the Niners will win a football game. They bounce back. This team's too good to lose four in a row. Give me the 49ers. Joseph. Two words. Pass, rush. I don't think that the Jacksonville offensive tackles are ready for the tandem combo that is now Chase Young and Nick Bosa. Fred Warner will run free in the middle between the tackles also. I like the 49ers. If I could buy three points, I would and take the 49ers by six. Lions are a three-point favorite at the Chargers. Don't know if this will be a Lions home game in L.A., but I don't know how many Detroit fans will travel or just – it, you know, it doesn't strike me there would be a lot of Lion fans in California, so we'll see. Uh, there probably won't be many Charger fans there either way because there never is. Chargers have been playing better lately, but still not great. I, uh, I, I'm i torn on this game. I guess I'm going Chargers. I, I don't have a great feel for this game. Um, Joe, what do you think? It's not very tight end friendly of you, I go, because Dan Campbell and MCDC, the Motor City, Dan Campbell's. The Detroit Lions are going to walk into SoFi and hand the Chargers their own tails. There's a time and a place where Dan Campbell would say it's time to bite off some kneecaps, and I think it's this weekend. This is a team with grit. This is a team that's just now unleashing Jameer Gibbs, who has fresh legs and is being utilized correctly. They might even get David Montgomery back. This is a Lions team that is only on the up, not on the down. Give me the Lions. Philip. Yeah, uh, Brandon Staley's coaching the game, right? He is. Yeah, and I'm picking the oh, Chargers. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jared Goff back to L.A. He returns home, even though it's not against his old team. But I think it is his first game back in L.A. since being traded. Give me the Lions. Going back to L.A., he'll probably revert back to his former self and throw a bunch of picks. Uh, Chargers roll. Hey, he went to a Super Bowl there. That is true, but I was about to say, how much of that was Sean McVay? Second most high-powered offense of all time. All right, Jets, Raiders. Uh, Joe, you you take us take us off here. The Raiders are a one point favorites under their new coach. What do you think? Fireman Ed leaving New York got the entire plane chanting J E T S. The Jets are getting a nice preview, a little sneak peek at where the Super Bowl is being played in February, where they're going to set up when they set up to play in the Super Bowl against whatever unworthy NFC opponent it winds up being. The New York Jets are going to walk in with an anger, with an absolute vengeance after the taste in their mouth from Monday night football on the short week. Robert Sala keeps the beard. Zach Wilson throws for two touchdowns. And the New York Jets beat the Raiders and Mark Davis especially. Have you picked against the Jets this year? Yes, I did. That's right, because it really hurt you. Mm -hmm. That was one time. So, All right, Philip, what do you think? No one in their right mind has picked the Raiders to win a football game and felt confident about their pick since Jim Plunkett was there. And considering he, nor his predecessor, Ken Stabler, is playing quarterback on Sunday for the Raiders, my Anson belt and buckle lock of the week is the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. (laughs) What is wrong with y'all? Y'all are making all the same picks. Did did y'all come up with this? Off the air? No, no, there's no collusion. No, you you gave us the, you gave us the lineup like two seconds before we went on air. We even have time this week to. Y'all were talking during the break. I could hear you. Oh no, he was talking to me about the song. He that uh-huh. was just about Creed. Yeah, y'all talk about Creed all the time, don't y'all? Uh, yeah, we're going to the concert in Charlotte next year. You're coming with, I guess. Yeah, then three doors down and somebody else. Yeah. All I don't right. know who the is. Jets. Jets are a dumb team, and every time I feel like. They're done. They win a game, and I think this is another week. So I'm with y'all. I'm rolling with the Jets. I think the Raiders are fool's gold from last week. You get that coaching chain surge for one week, and then it falls flat. So I'm going Jets here. All right, Monday Night Football. This is a terrible game. Even as a Broncos fan, I, I, I don't. I'm not looking forward to this game at all. Uh, Bills are coming off a loss to the Bengals. They host the Broncos. They are seven-point favorite. Denver is off a bye, but Buffalo is at a point right now where this is a must-win game. They are five and four. If they lose, they are in danger of not even making the playoffs. So as much as I would like to see Denver go in and make it a game, I think Buffalo wins and wins convincingly. I'm going Buffalo. Uh, Joe? Well, looks like we're disagreeing. Once again, I go because the Denver Broncos – are going to make it a game. They're going to make it close. There is no worse team than the team that has nothing to lose. And the Denver Broncos are just that. They're playing with house money. I cannot emphasize this enough. The Bills got off to the rockiest start known to man to start their season. You lose to the Jets on Monday Night Football. And Aaron Rodgers went down the fourth snap. Fourth. The Bills have put too much pressure on themselves. They're going to do it again this week. And the Broncos and Jaquan McMillan walk in and steal one in Buffalo. I kind of like Joe over the phone. I feel like he brings even more energy. Philip? Well, I can't break anything over the phone. That's that is true. Fuck fear. I don't know what a bill is, but I'm still going to pick them. K 
because Stefan Diggs is going to have like two touchdowns. Gabe Davis is going to have two. The Broncos' defense is horrible. That's not and true. We're gonna not, all, not since Jaquan McMillan came in. That's true. We're all going to turn right. it off by halftime. This game's going to stink. I Buffalo. do agree there. All right, so there's our picks. Again, Anson Belt and Buckle locks of the week are in as well. Lock of the week presented by Anson Belt and Buckle. Are you game day ready? Visit AnsonBelt.com backslash ECU and check out their great collection of holist belts, including ECU officially licensed buckle. Anson Belt and Buckle, the official belt of ECU Athletics. Joe, we're up against it as far as time, but I uh, appreciate you joining us over the phone today. Enjoy your, your mother's birthday. That's right. Thank you, Evan. Thank you for having me. Uh, as always, love to the guys, and uh, have a great show tomorrow. All right. He is Joe Sampson, Joey Football. We'll get him back again next week as well. I think he'll join us later in the week with Cliff Godwin coming on on Tuesday. All right, Philip. let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll have closing thoughts on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. We're wrapping up a Football Friday edition of the show. Appreciate Joey Football's time on the program today. Also, Creed for making a uh, guest appearance on the program as well. Philip Pilkington producing today. So we just made our picks, Philip. I'll be honest, this is the least confident I am in my picks all year and i feel like i'm gonna have a terrible week because you guys pick basically the complete opposite of me on like seven of these 10 games i don't know i'm just not feeling it and maybe it was because we were rushed pre-show getting over here from mike schwartz's presser but uh you guys might separate yourself from me this weekend maybe you have the bounce back week and uh close the gap i don't know yeah but yeah i think we were not able to get in our pre-game mindset see where the players have to get in their pre-game mindset before they perform we have to do the same for our pick segment because this is when we perform and unfortunately you know it all got all out of whack today it's just a wacky friday it's freaky friday we should have played freaky friday instead of creed i mean anytime i'm on the chargers in a betting situation i can't believe i actually made that pick and uh you know, definitely not confident in Josh Dobbs losing the next two after the way he played last week. But hey, when you feel it, you got to go with it, and I went yeah. with it. Got to go with your gut, like uh, like Coach Logan says. His only problem with the analytics is it's taking out that gut feeling. Got to go with your gut. There's no doubt. Listen to the Logan Zone tonight. By the way, five o'clock, uh, Patrick Johnson show will follow. At 6 o'clock here on 94.3 The Game, pregame coverage begins tomorrow at 11.30 because we're having kind of a hybrid basketball, football pregame show. Uh, Scott Rogers will host it 11.30 to 1.30. I'll be a part of it from 1 to 1.30 or somewhere in that ballpark. Philip will be a part of it as well. Uh, we'll have Terrence Copper as well. And so looking forward to that for pregame coverage. Again, we'll take you up to uh, the, the tip-off pregame show uh, for the basketball broadcast at 2, and then the football game will follow at 4 o'clock. Been a fun week of coverage here on Hoist the Colors. Enjoy you guys' this weekend. Thanks for the comments, questions, participation, as always. We'll talk to you Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. 